grateful to be out here. I am so happy to be here. So excited to be here. I get such energy uh, when I just see the stage popping and being here with my friends and family. This is such a beautiful community. So much appreciated. And uh, that kind of ties into what I talk about, which is relationships. And you heard it before uh, with Danelle talking about relationships and relationship building. And it's oftentimes a topic on here because it's so powerful relationships are so powerful in every sense of the word and they are essential in order to build your business build your life uh, make sure that you are optimized in terms of your happiness in terms of your potential but I also want to talk about the fact that not everybody has that support system one in four people have zero friends and it's something that I talk about often because I experienced it. And I want to take you back to when I was a young child and the impact that it had on me. And so there I was, I was about eight, nine years old, and I was not the kid that always had people around. I was the kid who was sitting on the playground watching everybody else play while I was in the corner. I was the one who, instead of having people to connect with, I was hanging out in the library anytime there was free time because it felt safer to me. By the fifth grade, I was eating lunch with my teacher. And I had no friends, not a single person to connect with, not a single soul to rely on, not a soul to talk about the joys of my, my life, the sadnesses that happened that only a nine or 10 year old had. And I remember so clearly in the sixth grade, which is ironic because my daughter is now in the sixth grade, so I am able to go back and transport myself so quickly to that stage in my life. And there I was with no friends and a transfer student arrives. And I could not have been more excited to have this transfer student come into my school because it was a potential friend. All of a sudden, I had the potential to make a connection. And I didn't care how weird she was. And she did not know how ostracized I was at that point. And so I basically went full on caveman with this person and said, this is now my friend. You have no choice in the matter. I'm going to make you love me. And she did for a moment. And she invited me over for a sleepover. And I don't know if anyone has been a 12-year-old girl in this room. Brad, I, I'm pretty sure you have not. Uh, <laughs> but as a 12-year-old girl, who had not had a sleepover in so many years, it was the most exciting thing in the world to be invited over to her home. And so I show up on her doorstep and I have my caboodle in tow, filled with blue eyeshadows, ready for this most amazing experience of being able to connect with someone. And she answers the door and my stomach drops into my feet because she's holding an enormous hairy cat. And I am not just allergic to cats. I am deathly allergic. I'm not talking runny nose allergic. I'm not talking watery eyes allergic. I am dying allergic to cats. Like can't breathe allergic. But I push that down. I push it down because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there is nothing that is going to get in the way of this budding friendship. And I'm gonna defeat biology in order to make this connection. And so I went inside and then she tells me, listen, it's really important for Blueberry to bond with my friends. And I thought, okay, all right, next up, I can do this. And I'm sitting on the bed and I have Warren's cherry pie playing in the background. So I'm just dating myself right there. And we're putting out the blue eyeshadows and the cat decides to jump in my lap. 
because that's what every animal does when they know that someone's allergic to them or can't pet them or doesn't want to pet them. They get as close to you as possible. And so the cat jumps in my lap and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm still alive. This is a win. This is an absolute win until all of a sudden I can see it happening in slow motion. I'm sitting there on the bed. Blueberry stares at me and all of a sudden he is coming at me, mouth that's stretched, tongue hanging out and begins to lick up one side of the face and down the other. And I knew at that point that I was gonna lose. There's only so much biology that you can fight. And within moments, my face starts to tingle and stretch and I can feel the hives coming. And five minutes later, I look like Swamp Thing's child. My parents are called and that friendship ended. And the reason why I share this story, and I share that story in my book too, because people need to understand how important friendship and connection is. I was willing to risk my life, my health in that situation to make a connection with someone. I was willing to put myself into a position where I was not going to be healthy and happy because I needed that connection. We as human beings are wired for that. We are wired. Our brains are ginormous compared to our bodies. And so a lot of anthropologists have studied this and found that that is because we are wired. To I love the stage diving. I love when people are down to do that because it's, you know, I have this segment on Tuesdays, but it's not just me. It's me and Fanzo. So I need Fanzo to get closer up here. Fanzo, can you, can you climb up? Can you climb on up? You're climbing. Okay, good, good, good. good. Um, welcome, you guys. This is Breakfast with Champions. It's Tuesday. It's 10 a.m. over here in Los Angeles. I know fans is on the East Coast. I don't exactly know where because I don't know geography, but we can talk about that in a different room. Um, the problems of being 40 years old and not knowing where anything is other than California and maybe your local Starbucks. But Fanzo is somewhere on the East Coast in Virginia. Hey, Fanzo. Are you not going to say hi to me? Are you struggling with your clubhouse? My clubhouse is not being friendly to me right now. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I think it's, you know what I think it is? I think, I could be wrong, but I think it is the uh, the iOS 15 update, which you as a digital futurist have been talking so much about on your Twitter. Is that it? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what it, it might be. It. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm updated and I'm on the 12, but yeah, hopefully it all works out. I unplugged from the uh, roadcaster, so... We're gonna we're gonna flip this way, and, you know. And I, I like being below you there, right? So I can look up to you, Donna. So uh, yeah, excited for the segment, and uh, you know, picking up where uh, social media show left off. So yeah, let's do this. All right, cool, cool, cool. Well, welcome, you guys. I am Donna Bowling, Donna Saldana. I'm a personal branding coach, a former casting director. I see some of my incredible clients here in the room. I'm gonna invite you guys up to the stage if you want to come on up here. Raise your guys' hand if you do wanna be up on the stage. It's a good, it's, we're gonna have a really good conversation today about entrepreneurship and about what it means to be an entrepreneur and also how we really, really feel about being an entrepreneur. The reason why I wanna bring this conversation up is because, well, it's a twofold, threefold, tenfold thing, but I have a program called the Empire Collective, and it is an incredible group of women who are just up leveling their business. And they're, you know, Shannon, who I brought up here on stage, she's part of the Empire Collective. And I don't know who's in the audience right now that uh, that is also, but such an incredible group of women. And just yesterday, we were having this conversation 
And I've noticed this is a trend. This is a trend in the beginning stages of entrepreneurship, but then I also notice that this becomes something that comes back at you throughout every single stage of entrepreneurship. And that is the reason, or that is the question of, am I cut out for this? Am I cut out to be an entrepreneur? Is this something that I really want to take on? How do you know if you are an entrepreneurial type? Because everyone says here on Clubhouse and online, and I think, Fanzo, I feel like you've kind of talked against this idea, so I want you to jump in in just a second. The idea of you can do it. You can start your own business. You can be an entrepreneur. You can make this happen for you. And I think what happens is we get so caught up in this idea of they're doing it, so I think I can do it too. I can do it. I, I should be able to have a business. I can do this. And at the end of the day, we start to forget that it's not actually something that maybe – everyone is cut out for. What do you think, Fanzo? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of, I mean, I think the allure of quote unquote, not working for the man or the woman um, is oftentimes where, you know, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is kind of, you know, uh, shepherd towards in many ways. But I feel like the actual skill set that's required, the, the amount of time and effort, and then also really what is your version of success? I know I feel like every week it's kind of like my soapbox, but for a lot of people, I believe they get into entrepreneurship for the wrong reasons. And on top of that, their version of what success means as an entrepreneur also doesn't match to the reason that they're even in, you know, became an entrepreneur. And, and I'm saying this because, you know, I worked and a half years for the U.S. government at, you know, a massive enterprise technology, uh, enterprise government contracting. I went and worked for a booming startup um, that had 256 employees uh, when I started, and we ended up, you know, in two years having over 600 employees. We were hiring 12 new hires uh, a week, and I've now been an entrepreneur a little over seven and a half years. And so for me, like, I'm saying all that because I loved my, entre my, my enterprise gig. I absolutely loved that enterprise gig. I loved working as a, at the startup that I worked at. I actually had, you know, a great time. I had great bosses. I think I got lucky a lot of, along the way. I really quote unquote, you know, knock on wood have never had a, a really a bad boss. Maybe until I became an entrepreneur and I had to work for myself. Then I, then I maybe was the worst boss of, of all of that I had. But yeah. So I think for me, I think it's important just to understand, you know, where this all shows up because I think today, you know, and this goes into, you know, you talked about your program and I talk about the creator economy a lot. I believe the future is actually not about having to be an entrepreneur, but rather redesigning the life you want so that you can monetize and make money. And sometimes that isn't really being an entrepreneur. It might be, you know, the importance of understanding your role as a freelancer. And for anyone that heard um, Seth Godin in the room when, I, when he was being interviewed by, uh, you know, uh, by Ramon last week, you know, I thought, you know, Seth really broke down the understanding of freelancer versus entrepreneur versus small business owner. And I think that's an important delineation when we're thinking about this kind of discussions. So yeah, looking forward to this. You know, I think for me, I think it's exciting. We're, we're living in exciting times now because I believe as we move forward, we can start redesigning things where maybe we, we have some freedom, but we're also working, you know, in conjunction with others that are contractual jobs which kind of allow us to kind of blur that line and not have to just be all or nothing like you know you're either an entrepreneur or you work for the man 
So I like to look at things like you're you're such a data driven person and a numbers person, and you like to look at things like from a very um, like research based place. And I tend to look at things a lot from an emotional state. And you know, for anyone that doesn't know um, who I am or like my life, I am a mom. I have two sons um, who are eight and six and are literally sucking the life out of me um, on a daily basis. I'm pretty much a single mom. <laughs> like on a daily basis because my husband works crazy hours or is out of town. Um, and of course I also run a business and this is by choice. This is not out of, um, desperation because I love, love, love having that freedom and being able to do that. But what I always think about is the idea of what we actually consider that makes us happy? What makes us feel fulfilled? And so I'm going to probably come at this conversation. Fanzo and I just said, let's talk today about entrepreneurship, but we didn't really like break anything down. So this is just going to be a really off the cuff conversation, which I love when Fanzo and I can do that. And if you guys uh, have anything that you want to jump on in, we'll open it up in just a bit. I always think about the idea for me about you know, what fulfills me? And I've told the story before, so I'm not going to go super deep into it, but I used to be a casting director, which uh, had a really, really cool on paper vibe. And I was miserable and I was making solid money. I mean, I was still freelance because that is a freelance job. Anything in production is, but I was making solid money. I had benefits. Um, I had street cred here in Los Angeles. I had a lot of what people would consider you know, to be successful, right? Articles written about me, uh, features, interviews, this and that. I really personally knew always in the back of my mind that that wasn't for me because I didn't like the idea of answering to anyone. And I don't know why this, this rebellious side came out of me, but I always wanted my own baby. I know for sure that I have never been able to be a, as good of an employee for someone else's company as I can be for myself. And even that showed up in casting, even when my name was on the board as the casting director, I still didn't probably care as much about it as I do my clients now or my business now, because it's all of mine. What are your thoughts on that, Panzo? Well, I mean, we couldn't be more different on that side, right? Which is so interesting because I actually never, even though I grew up in a household where my dad was uh, an entrepreneur, he owned a, a peanut brittle company, um, and we also owned a family uh, frozen yogurt shop. I never envisioned any life that didn't include me working for someone else. So growing up, when I visualized like the things I was doing, and yes, I you know I had you know aspirations of becoming a CEO, but like my version of a CEO or the top notch, you know, I wanted to be a sports center news anchor through college, right? And then after you know as I was getting through college, I realized you know the tech side of me is where I was kind of leaning into. So it's funny you say that, Donna, because I consider myself a misfit, right? I am ADHD superpowered. I am one that when someone tells me I can't do someone something or someone gives me rules, I'm often one that uh, likes to buck up against that or prove people wrong. But in a way, for me, the idea of you know of owning my own baby or having to like to me that responsibility, that idea that like oh my goodness, if I have employees, the employees. Like the fact that like it's up to me to make sure they can put food on the table. It's up to me to make sure they um, are going to be able to have you know gifts for their family during the holidays. And so like that idea was never appealing to me. It actually was kind of almost the opposite, where I was kind of looking at it and saying like I have no problem working for someone. So I think that's also kind of an interesting journey as we all kind of figure out like not only what brings us happiness, but 
I would also say what my idea of an entrepreneur was in 1999, graduating high school. We, we, we both graduated high school in 1999. Um, and what my version of what an entrepreneur was uh, in 2015 or 2014 when I became one, I think were completely different worlds. Are you passing the mic? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So actually, I'm curious from your side. I'm curious, Donna, from, so you mentioned, you know, your role as a, uh, you know, as a not only casting director, but, you know, you had that job that came with, you know, some fame a little bit. You know, it also was one that, like, people wanted to be friends with you. They wanted to hook you up when you went to, you know, a restaurant or a nightclub, you know, and you're living there in L.A. You know, I'm curious, you know, it seems like there's a lot of the perks of entrepreneurship that were rolled up into that job, maybe other than controlling your own hours, which let's also all remember, just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean you control your own hours. That's very much dictated by what you ser your services or your product or even your clients and how you work with your clients. But I'm curious, just from your side, like when you said you always envisioned something being your own baby, was it the idea that you were making money and the money was going towards yourself? the idea that you got to decide the scope of what you were working on? Like, what was the attraction to entrepreneurship for you, especially having that role that kind of came with a lot of the things that I think oftentimes entrepreneurs are looking for? Um, I would say it's a good question. I, I would say the truth is, like, here's what drew me to, to start my own business. I, don't, I didn't want to answer to anyone else which is so funny because I have to answer to so many people now, right? Like I have to answer to so many people, contractors and, and could you my, define, my could you define? Could you define what that answering to someone else meant for you in that role? I'm just curious from like that side. When I was a casting director? Yeah, like when you say you didn't want to answer to anyone else because you, you know, like I think you said that, you know, I think this is just an important piece of it, right? Because like, you are answering yeah. to clients, you're answering to a whole, you know, you're, you're answering to your I financial just, here's advisor. The truth. Here's the truth. I did not... I was not passionate about my career and I was not passionate about the job. And I didn't like that people needed me to sit in an office from morning till night, even when there was not work to be done. I was like, I had a little bit of a forced, you must sit here in case we need you. Um, I was having babies at the time. Like I had two young kids and I didn't like the idea that I had to, you know, miss out on some really big things when there wasn't anything going on. And I was scrolling Facebook. So there was like days so, where I, sorry. No, so I think that to me, this is such a, this is such an important piece to hit on, right? Because I believe oftentimes the idea of how we define work, how we incentivize our employees, and ultimately even how we have usually, you know, not done a great job of giving them freedom or trusting them has often in many cases led people to becoming an entrepreneur. Because in many ways, if you were incentivized by the work that you were being, you were you were tasked with, and you were given the freedom that said, "Hey, I don't care. You don't need to be. You know, I'm okay with you being out of sight, out of mind, and I'm okay with you coming in and coming out whenever you want because I trust you to get the job done." Like, I'm curious if that kind of freedom, which I do believe businesses are leaning toward now and redefining that, if that would, if that was still available in that role, would that role have been? more attractive and the idea of entrepreneurship been less of something you were looking towards? I didn't care as much about what I was doing. And this is really, this is very important right now. So if you guys are in this room and you're listening, I want you to think about this. If you are doing something right now in your job, in your career, or as your own business that you do not love, 
that you do not feel passionate about, whatever that word passion means, if you do not feel lit up by, energized by, excited to do, looking forward to a Monday, you are doing something that is probably not going to succeed. I feel really confident about that. I know that there are people that loved casting and that is why they are so successful at it. And I would have never been because I dreaded Mondays. I dreaded to go back to work on Monday. And you know me, Fanzo, what's my favorite day of the week? I love a freaking Monday now. Monday. I love a Monday because I love what I do because it's mine. It's my own little baby. And I, guess what? I got to create it. I got to mold it. I got to shape it. And I got to do what I want with it. Now, that doesn't mean that it's easy. It's the opposite of easy. Anyone that says, hey, you're going to quit a nine-to-five job to start your own business, you're quitting a nine-to-five job to run a 24-7 job. This is not something that I can put away ever. Now, once in a while on a Saturday or Sunday, I allow myself to really just peace out from work. I, you know, pour myself a a drink or go out with my friends or go in in the pool, whatever it is that I do. And I cut myself out of work. But I always know that Monday morning, like I'm not able to, you know, half ace. Why do I always want to say that word in this room? Um, I'm not able to do that. This is everything for me. And if I, if I fail at my coaching business, then I am letting not only my clients down, I'm letting myself down because I created this, right? This is my baby. Now, I want to really quickly um, jump over to this idea of what makes you have the qualities to be an entrepreneur. So I'm going to, without like going into detail of who I was speaking to yesterday in my program, but she's a very, very sweet, sweet woman. And she wants to help people. And she loves the whole idea of being a coach because I know that she wants to impact people, but she does not and can't really handle that feeling of insecurity, the uncertainty, the not knowing what's next, the lack of routine, all of those things. Don't you think that that's like an essential part of being an entrepreneur to roll with the punches in that way? Without a question. That's partially why I hate being an entrepreneur in many ways. Uh, and I say that because to your point with Donna, what you said, like, you know, the, you know, like I have no, like I have, I've said this before, you know, I'm a, a full-time, you know, keynote speaker. That's my, my primary source of revenue. I also have a creator coin and do some, uh, you know, I've done, you know, six figures worth of influencer creator work for seven years now. And both of those sides of my business have been, I've been very successful. I, I'm very blessed and I enjoy the fact of how I've kind of designed them to be part of my business. But I am not, I am not one to say that I can't, I, I have no problem looking at the future and saying, hey, I'm going to partner with somebody and they're going to be the CEO and I'm going to work for them. And we're going to build it out to where I get to do the things and the aspects that I like. Because I will say, I, I love managing people. I absolutely love managing people. I mean, I, I manage a team of 124 uh, direct, you know, well, 34 direct reports, 124 uh, people on my team um, in the government when I was working there, and I freaking loved that. I absolutely loved that that role in the job. But I don't believe I would have loved it if I had all of the additional pressures of building a brand like that and it being my baby and me being the the entrepreneur. So I think there's because I I will say the other piece of that is like part of my success, and I think it's interesting because. 
I'm guessing if people are on Clubhouse in the middle of a Tuesday, a lot of a lot of the people, a high percentage of the people in this room right now are entrepreneurs, small business owners, uh, you know, in in some fashion. Um, I'm not saying everyone is. I'm not going to paint that brush. But I think the thing that like allowed me to be successful before becoming an entrepreneur was I understood that I I didn't love cybersecurity. I also went from cybersecurity in the government to a data center company, which is like the least sexy technology thing that exists. And I didn't love that industry. But what, what I became really, really good at was finding ways to be passionate about aspects of my business that was going to help me not only succeed, but build up a skill set that would allow me to kind of chase my purpose and my passion, right? And so I think there's I think there's some interesting, you know, paths that we can all take here. But to your point, to be an entrepreneur, not only do you have to be able to roll with the punches, but you have to be able to understand that a, you can't do it all alone, and I say that out loud as, as I need to know, I need to remember that just as much as anyone else does. But you also have to realize that our ability to pivot, our ability to pivot, not just pivot in what we're doing as entrepreneurs, but our pivot, our mindset, our approach, right? Because there will be a day where you will get, you know, two thank you emails saying that you have you've changed someone's life, and the next morning you will wake up and someone wants a refund. Your website is down and your accountant has left you three messages. And that is a, I mean, it is, I, I look at that and I, as soon as I say it out loud, I'm like, why the hell would someone sign up for this? And I think a lot of people sign up for entrepreneurship without understanding all of those parameters. And I, I, know, I, I feel like I was even guilty for that uh, back in 2014. I don't believe I truly understood what it meant to be an entrepreneur. Well, I also think that the culture of social media and I don't know about you, but my feed on Instagram, you know, the algorithm of my reels, for example, is all girls, women, moms, whatever, who are just like me and saying how amazing it is to be your own boss and how incredible it is to start your own business. And it's the whole rise of like the multi-level marketing and people that are saying like, you can be your own boss. You can do this. You can work from home. And I love the idea and I love the theory of it. But I do think that there is like a fantasy element of what it really means to be an entrepreneur. So I think what 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 we need to really focus on is qualities that you know you can be a good entrepreneur is the ability to know that you can't do it all is a very important one. What Fanzo just said right now is probably the most important thing. So I'm obsessed with this podcast that I was just listening to and I was sending it to a couple of my friends and it's Aaron and Sarah Foster who are David Foster's daughters, and they're so freaking funny. And this one episode, they're interviewing a very um, Can you call well- Who's David Foster? I don't think many of us know who that is. Really? No what? clue. Not a clue. No, the, 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 like, the music producer, right? He's, like, responsible yes. for, like, fully, like big names. Yeah. Yes, Sorry. he was married to um, one of the Real Housewives. But now he's married to Catherine McPhee, and they just had a baby. He's got 17,000 kids. You don't know who David Foster is, though? You should start, so you should start getting a, online a little more. There's often. another side of the world outside of LA that doesn't this know. This is not a an lot LA thing. Oh, okay, housewives. I'm just saying. I'm just, so can Donna, I think it might be a generational thing. <laughs> Marcus, well, you actually, know who Donna, David Foster is? Of course. Holy cow. Yeah, so yeah but David Foster is old. I can't believe he's with Catherine McPhee. I'm he's like 97 years old. He's dying. Yeah, he's, no, I'm just joking. Oh, oh. I know, and they just had a baby. Okay, so anyway. Um, so they are interviewing this incredible, well-known rabbi here in Los Angeles. And, um, we're talking, it's all about death and life and 
um, and parenting and whatever. But the point is that he said the he said he upset when he like back in the eighties he did a, a a sermon or whatever to a group of females, women. And he spoke and said this, and he said, still to this day, I believe these people probably didn't like hearing it. But he said, it, the jig is up. You can't do it all. You can't be the best at your business and the best mom and the best um, wife and the best, you know, cook and the best. You can't. You can be great at one thing and you can be good at a lot of other things. And so women got really offended by it, although I totally agree with what he's saying, because this applies to men, too. Like, I, I believe that and what he said, he says, I am a great father and I'm a good husband and a good rabbi. And I love that. Like, why do we feel as entrepreneurs, we take on this this career, right? Do you understand to be an entrepreneur in 2021? Okay. You have to be a content creator. You have to be an accountant. You have to be an email marketer. You have to be, um, someone help me, an assistant. You have to be a production coordinator. Like you got to do it all. There's so much to do and we can't do it all because as human beings, we're not meant to be great at everything. What are your thoughts? So, I mean, this is where you know, I'm a believer in that we have shades of life and shades of things that we focus on. And that the idea that I can only pick one thing to be great at just is, to me, just gives me like, I want to throw up, right? Because I, yes, I want to be a great father and I want to do everything in my power to be a great father. But part of me being a great father is the times that I'm away from my kids. I'm going to be, I'm going to focus on being a great entrepreneur, right? And I think, and I'm not saying that you weren't saying that, but I think sometimes this idea of, you know, of greatness or focus or prior, you know, this is goes into the conversation that was happening a little bit earlier, right? Like I, the riches might be in the niches for some people, but the riches are also for many people, for those that are multi-hyphenate or multi-passionate that have figured out ways to adapt at their business, to tell their stories. And I think part of this as, as when we think about it from like our overall mindset, and I think Donna, I think this is where the rabbi, I think had some really great points on that, um, on that podcast was that there is also something to be said about understanding like where you are in life and what are the things in front of you and what is most important for you at that moment? Because, you know, like in your, in your clubhouse room yesterday or two days ago, whenever that was, um, I went off on a tangent about the question that I can't stand that I wish every networking person, every person would just stop asking is when somebody go up to someone and say, what do you do? Like, I can't. Hey, Brian, what what do you do? Oh, I hate that word. I refuse not to. So, like, my reply back is, are you curious about the things I'm passionate about or the impact I plan on making on the world? Right? Because now I'm forcing a conversation that is not something vanilla or generic or over the top. But part of that also is because if I ask you, uh, you know, if I want to get to know you and you are in the shade of your life where it's the summer and you've designed your life to where you can go on more vacations and spend less time on your business because you've worked hard throughout the year, I can probably guess that at that moment, you are being a great family person, right? And that is your priority. And that's the thing most important to you at that moment. And when we ask that question, I think it sometimes is just, we're asking, like, I almost want to say, like, go to my LinkedIn. That's that. You want to know what I do? Uh, LinkedIn.com slash IN slash Brian Fanzo. 
because um, <laughs> I think that's where that question goes. It's we're asking for uh, you know a resume rather than really you know what we truly want to know about somebody. But I think as entrepreneurs, we also have to recognize what you what you brought up there is in the idea that we can't be great at everything all the time, and we can't do all of it ourselves. Yes, I mean, absolutely. And I think the idea of outsourcing and asking other people who do things better than you. So one of my biggest expenses that I have every single month is an online business manager. I've talked to you about this before. And I think it's really important that I invest that money on a monthly basis, which, you know, kind of sucks sometimes to feel like you're just spending money, even if you're not like currently selling anything or whatever, because she is my CEO, right? Like she's not really, but she is because my brain is creating. I'm constantly coming up with content. I'm thinking of what to do. I'm thinking big. I'm having like this, this idea, these grand ideas. But then when it comes to the actual implementation and when it comes to the actual, like, what do I need to get done today on Tuesday, September 21st? Wait, by the way, is today September 21st? Isn't that it that is. song? Should we sing it? It do is the song. Do you remember? Okay. The 21st. Okay. Earth, anyway. and fire all day. <laughs> Go check out all my social media. Right. Y'all right, are right. crazy. <laughs> I've already sang it. I've already been singing it all day. Y'all oh are crazy, God. crazy. Come on, Glenn, sing it. No, no, no. I don't know. I don't. I, that's not for me. You, you keep Bonnie doing. You keep doing this singing. <laughs> you know what, Glenn? You're good at a lot of things, but I guess singing is not one of them, and that's what we're talking about. You find what you're great at, and you ask others for help in other in other parts of your business. And I think that so many of us worry because as entrepreneurs, when especially when you're starting, that's most of my clients are these starting entrepreneurs that they come in and they're like, I don't have money to spend on a team. So right now I have to do it all myself. And yes, we all do at the very beginning, but sometimes going out of your way and investing in a team or hiring someone for like random pieces of your, of your work is going to be the thing that takes you to the next level because you're not supposed to be good at all the things. What, Pam? You know, this, I want to, but this is also what you just said, the order you said, you kind of flipped over it so fastly. You know, you were saying, I have to know what I'm great at and then hire people to do the others. Let's, let's re rewind that. I have to know what I'm great at. So if you want to know who to hire first, you first have to be focused all of your time and energy on self-awareness, on understanding your desires, your skill set, your focus. I believe this is a mistake that I made was that I was like, oh, okay, well, what do I, who do I need to hire? I need to hire a virtual assistant. I need to hire someone that can do my accounting for my books. I need to hire a speaker agent that can run my speaking business. And that's literally what I did. And all of a sudden I'm like, why is this not working? Like, I'm not liking my job. We're, we're butting heads. I haven't found the right person. And I believe this is, a, this is a mistake that we will make is that we forget that for us to know how to hire the right person, we first have to know ourselves at a level that we, A, know what we're great at, but also B, know what we don't know, right? Like I would challenge everyone in here right now, just because we can all go to YouTube University, right? Like I am not a car guy at any stretch of the imagination, but two years ago, my power steering pump went out on my Jeep Wrangler and I put my YouTube on my, uh, on my, I sounded like an old person there. I just said my YouTube. I, put I know, YouTube. I was concerned. You went on the interweb. I know, I, 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 know. I, I called the Facebook. Um, no, so I put YouTube on a laptop on the front grill of my Jeep and I learned how to change a power steering pump and I am no knowledge to do that. But I think it's important for us to know 
this idea of what is it that I don't know? Or what are the things that I'm not interested in? Or even maybe even more so, what are the things that I'm spending my time on or I will end up spending my time on that is not, not worth my time? And I know Glenn has mentioned that with uh, you know, Sarah McCord and, and I love what you know, Glenn and Sarah are doing here at Breakfast of Champions. And I think that's part of the beauty is that identifying part of that, like, okay, hey, I know that this is someone that gives me a fill a gap. And these might be things that I've been doing myself for a long while, but now by having someone else fill that gap, what is it going to free me up to do? Maybe I'll have more time to be creative. Maybe I'll have more time to you know, expand uh, you know, the, the content we're creating, or maybe more time to spend with my customers and my clients and making phone calls, which you know, we as humans still forget that like, you know, investing time with our existing clients might be the number one way for us to continue as entrepreneurs. And so Donna, I think, I love that you touched on that. And I think that's such an important piece that I wish I knew when I became an entrepreneur was for me to hire the right person, I first need to know how I was hiring myself and what things I need to fire myself from. So yeah, that's, that's good stuff. So what I do with my clients, and this is such an interesting conversation, but what I do with my clients is a lot of times I take, like I do a quadrant with them, right? Like a quadrant of four, imagine like four boxes, right? Four boxes of what you either love to do and like the top left. Okay, so this is how we're gonna imagine it. We've got a hot mic, Jeff the Entrepreneur. We have Jeff the Entrepreneur in here, Fanzo, talking about entrepreneurship and we have Jeff the Entrepreneur. This is amazing. Okay, so what we're gonna do is Think about the top left of your quadrant is things that you love to do and things that you're really good at doing. And then the top right of the quadrant is things that you love to do and things that you're not good at doing. The bottom left is things that you don't like to do, but you're really good at. And the bottom right is things that you don't like to do and that you suck at. And the bottom right part of that quadrant, right, that's what you're giving away first. You're giving that away first. You're trying to find someone that is going to do that part for you. So other than outsourcing, which I think is a really, really essential part of being an entrepreneur. And a lot of times, like when you don't have the money to invest in a team, you know, that that kind of stuff is going to go on the outskirts and you're going to be able to you're going to have to kind of do it yourself. And like, um, what do they call it? Like, you know, like uh <laughs> scrap it together or whatever, you're going to have to try to find a, a way to do it yourself. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's never going to be great because you're not going to be great at all things. Like I am definitely not the queen of email copy at all. I'm not very good at that. I know for sure if I want to really ramp up my email marketing, I'm going to invest in a copywriter. I'm going to invest in someone to help me with that copy or sales page design, et cetera, et cetera. So here's another question I have for you. What do you think? Because this is something that I notice a lot of people in my industry start working for in the entrepreneurial, in, in the entrepreneurial space, right? They start working with this idea of what is the next milestone I want to hit? Right. I don't know if any of you guys are on the stage and you have that like milestone number that you always kind of think is the thing for you. So, OK, I want to hit ten thousand dollars a month. I want to be a 10K a month coach or whatever it is. And um, oh, my God, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, the entrepreneur is also really good at email copy. That's good to know, Jeff. Thanks. Um, I think that, you know, what's interesting is these milestones that we assume will mean success. 
So I just went through a launch this week. I just launched this program called um, Amp Up Your Personal Brand. My cart closed yesterday. There's a couple people up on the stage that are in the program. Hey, Julia. Hey, Alex. I'm so happy you guys are here. Um, I... I am so excited about it because I had a number in my mind that was like a goal and I hit it and then I went over it. So I feel really, really excited about that. But what are your thoughts, Banzo, about the idea of like a milestone that you're supposed to hit and then if you hit it, so just say get this many speaking gigs this year or make this much on sponsorships or whatever it is and then you hit it and you're like, wait, that's it? Like now what? I want something else. Do you have any of those moments ever? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things, I mean, I think this is where, you know, it comes into this idea, we always want more, right? So like, you know, we want to achieve this in our in, in the next year. And then when we achieve it, oftentimes it doesn't either give us the fulfillment or joy that we sometimes are alluding that will exist with it. Well, and in other cases, it then fuels us to even want more, right? And I think, this is also one of the things for me as an entrepreneur, I think is, is really vital. And I think this is where people get Gary Vaynerchuk wrong in many cases. And I, I was very blessed. Gary took me under his wing um, in 2014 and gave me some very strong advice that it took me a couple of years to actually um, implement and, and, and talk about. But you know, one of the things that I think what Gary often focuses on in this idea of you know, being an entrepreneur is having a clear definition and understanding on what you're willing to sacrifice for what you're willing to achieve, but then also how that also aligns with the things that you are currently working towards. And they, when people hear that he's like, he's telling people that are in their 20s to sleep on their parents' couch so that they can save money, for many people, they're like, I can't sleep on my parents' couch. So is Gary Vaynerchuk telling me not to be an entrepreneur? And that's no, that's not the case. What he's saying is if you can sacrifice for, for a couple years, this idea of having to own a house or you have the nice apartment where your friends are having it, then it's going to afford you some other liberties and opportunities that maybe others haven't, right? And so I think, I think there's, there's that piece of it. And I also think you know, entrepreneurship today, you know, I, I think, I can't remember who it was, I think it might've been taught, who was, well, someone was talking just before us earlier with the social media uh, show, and they were talking about like, you know, like I'm working this hard so I can travel to this many cities a year. And I think that's such a beautiful way of doing it because it's not saying I'm working towards this amount of money just because I want that amount of money. And then you get that amount of money and then you want more. What you're doing is you're actually saying, I'm working towards this because it affords me the opportunity to do this. And I think, I think that's such a, a big piece of where I look at entrepreneurship. And I would also say, if we look at cryptocurrency, we look at the NFT world that is out there today, we look at a lot of these things that are being in this new decentralized um, you know, you know, blockchain world as, as we move forward, part of the beauty of this, uh, of this new creator economy that we're moving towards within Web3 is the idea that what we traditionally would quote unquote monetize or what we would think of as an entrepreneur role is completely being disrupted, right? Like nobody went to college um, in the 90s or early 2000s to be an app developer. Yet there's 100 million app developers in the, in the world today, right? And we would, I would even argue, not many people went to the in you know went to uh, you know school or even came out of school with the idea that I want to you know design my own crypto mining farm and be able to you know monetize and build something around uh, you know blockchain technology. And so I think one of the things that we have to think of as we move forward, and this goes back to your point earlier. 
is if you if you know what you're passionate about and what you're passionate about has a value to others, I believe we're going to have more opportunities to make that our living than we ever have had before. And that goes back to Seth Godin's point that he made, where this this idea of being a true freelancer is to me is that is that true freedom that many people associate with entrepreneurship. But I'm curious, you know, I think the other piece of this is, you know, for those that are looking for, you know, hiring, you said you have an online business manager and, and other people that work with you. I think there's also this element of, you know, where do I, you know, where do I scale, right? Like if I'm making more money, does that mean I have more employees? Or if I have more money, does that mean I have, I need to launch more products? Because I think that also becomes a, a cycle on a hamster wheel that, that can really be very dangerous. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's definitely just like normal life, right? The more money you make, the more money you'll spend. Most likely, I mean, there are people that are insanely, uh, you know, well kept at their money. But I feel like in general, the more money I make, I know that I invest back in. But also the more money I invest is the more money I make. And it's a crazy cycle. And actually, I know Grant just jumped on a phone call, but when he comes back in, if he comes back in, we'll, we'll jump into over to him. But, you know, the idea of, of making more and then finding where to put that money. And I have made some really bad investments in my business as an entrepreneur. And I can tell you that right now. I can tell you that I have definitely hired the wrong coaches. Like, no question, right? I have um, invested in courses that aren't actually for me, like aren't really hitting me exactly what I need for in that moment. Um, I've invested in... in um, programs and tools and software. And I've also hired on a team that I didn't need in certain aspects. Like there was a while at the beginning of this year that I had six people on my team, six people on my freaking team. That was way too many than I actually needed. And I found myself kind of going through the numbers and trying to figure it out. Like, you know, I, I have a, thank God I have a bookkeeper, but, um, but it's really, really important to kind of have that moment where you start to see where am I spending my money? Because if I'm making so much, if I'm making all of this money, why don't I have, you know, massive amounts of money just pouring out of my bank account every month? Like, obviously, it's going somewhere. So my the investments I make in my business right now, at least in, the, in these early years are pretty high, I would say they're pretty high. But you also have to cut corners where you feel like, can I do that myself? Or do I just not want to do that myself? Is that really moving the needle forward? So like, I'll give you an example. I have a podcast. I love doing my podcast. I am obsessed with the, the medium of podcasting. However, I hired a podcast production team that was taking my audio, which I was recording and doing all on my own, and literally just writing the show notes and uploading it to Libsyn. That's it. Oh, no, they did a couple social media posts. And I started to think to myself, I can do the uploading and that's no problem. And my assistant, my my virtual assistant, I can give her a couple extra hours and she can do the show notes. And the social media post is actually super easy because all it is is just like a copy and paste um, on Canva. Wait, why am I spending $650 a month on that? And so we have to make those smart moves and cut corners where need be. But I do believe that the more like an online business manager, so just to kind of give you guys an idea, they charge anywhere between like 1500 to 3000 probably a month. I pay closer to the lower end, which is still a lot of money every single month in addition to my office expenses and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But because of this woman, Caitlin, I don't have to spend any kind of brain power on, uh-oh, what do I have to do? For example, my launch that I just had this last week, 
it went off swimmingly because every single day she was like, this is what you have to do this day. You have to write this email on this day. You have to show up on this way. You have to create this on this. That kind of stuff to get out of my head creates space for me to become more free and creative as an entrepreneur and spend time focusing in my zone of genius, which is spending time with my clients, right? Like coaching my clients, being in front of them. Sue, who's here on the stage. Sue is one of my my clients, I'm obsessed with her. We are we are so close. Shannon is another one. They know I care so much about them and I put so much energy into making sure that they're doing good. That's where I want to spend my time. So I have to release some of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, you know, I will say, you know, I wrote this blog post back in 2016. Um, and I, and I, I think it kind of, you know, I actually said, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, the thing it taught me more so than anything else is it taught me 10 things that I'm not good at and that I probably should never be responsible for, or that aren't something that should be something that should fall under me. Even if I was going back to work um, in, a, in a business, I would believe like the things that it's actually exposed as weaknesses in many cases um, is something that I feel like uh, is, is a life lesson alone, right? And so I think for those that are, that I think this is also something that is important to think about is that, you know, be becoming an entrepreneur and then having to, um, go back to work or to work, uh, you know, or maybe your partner, or maybe you sell your, the business, the small business that you've created and you, you end up, you know, being part of that, the new company that bought it, whatever that may be. I believe there's also something beautiful about having that skill set, right? I think that's why we hear a lot of, uh, I think James Clear talked about it, uh, in one of the podcasts I was listening to recently talking about the idea that like having that side hustle or that passive income or that passion project that you are able to, maybe you're, you're contributing something to the community or you're contributing something um, to people that are around. And I think to me, this is something that we also have to look at it is that I also look at, you know, f those that have failed at this entrepreneur's journey. And I say failed as in the sense of like, they've decided to stop doing what they were doing currently and, and, and do something different. The, the ability to take what you've learned and then implement that in every aspect of your life, I think is also something that we often overlook in this entrepreneur piece, because I think there's a lot of people that say, oh, like you finally jumped to become an entrepreneur, congratulations, as if that's the end all be all, or that's what you'll be for the rest of your life. And that's why I said, I put it out there. I have no problem saying that I have no, I, I can vision myself going back to work for someone else without question. So I have a question for you. And then I think um, I'm going to, I'll answer it too. And then I'm going to open it up if that's cool with you, Fanzo, for the entire rest of the stage to ask you guys, what is it, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're like, a, you know, you have your own business, what has surprised you the most about yourself in a positive or a negative way? Like what kind of quality that came out in this journey has surprised you the most? Do you want to go first, Fanzo? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to throw one out. I mean, you know, I think for me, from a um, you know, from an understanding of you know, I, I feel like you know, as a as someone that you know, like my my role, like my dream job was a, a technology evangelist. I wanted to, I always wanted to have the job that that uh, Guy Kawasaki had with Steve Jobs and Apple. I thought it was like one of the coolest jobs. I read all of the guy's books, uh, and I'm very blessed that you know Guy Kawasaki has now become a friend of mine. And for me, when I became an entrepreneur, you know, I understood the need and, and like the 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 importance of being able to, to uh, roll with the punches and being able to bob and weave. But I also was one that like, kind of like believe that like when you're, when you are like the one throat, the choke, right. You're the quarterback, whatever, you know, analogy you want to use. I also thought like that might prevent, 
you know, my ability to still be on the bleeding edge or my ability to still, you know, pursue some of the things I would, I would go after. And so that, that one is, has been one that has really jumped out at me. And then the other one is, I would say the thing that it exposed the most for me was my lack of self-awareness. And it's funny because I put this out there is that I was always self, I was always confident. I was always extroverted. I was always comfortable in my own skin. I was always unapologetic with who I was, but that did not mean I understood what I was good at. It did not mean I understood what I was bad at. It also didn't mean uh, I had a process or a way of looking within to kind of start to manage my calendar and schedule. And, I, and I've shared this before, but I did a time lapse for 30 days uh, back in 2017. And I put, a, I put a, like a GoPro camera corner of my office and every day I just ran the time lapse. And at the end of the day, I would go through and like edit it. And what I was doing was I was trying to figure out what I was spending my time on in my home office. And I can tell you, it was a very eye-opening uh, experience because the things that I would assume I only took you know, eight or nine minutes to create that graphic in Canva or 15 minutes to reply to those emails, not only was it taking me longer, but I started to learn things about what I needed to do individually to get myself in the creative mindset and in the place to actually deliver these things. And so I would say the thing that it exposed was that my, my misconception that being you know, very confident, being outgoing, being extroverted, being very okay with who I am also meant that I was self-aware. So yeah, Donna, I'd love to hear you. What is your uh, answer on that? What is something that you learned uh, through the entrepreneurship journey that you know, either surprised you or, or something that, you're, that you know, others can connect to as well? Yeah, it's so, it's so interesting that self-awareness is everything. I would say for me, something that surprised me in a positive way was how freaking driven I can be and how much I can really kind of keep going even when, you know, I think I want to give up. So the resilience, like my friend Sue on the stage, she's the queen of resilience. Um, I would say the resilience that I've kind of maintained is has surprised me in a positive way. And what has... Um, kind of disappointed me about myself is is some somewhat of a laziness when it comes to um I'm just gonna mute you Friday um so, kind of a laziness when it comes to like the the stuff that I don't want to do if I don't want to do it I don't want to do it I won't do it right like it's the paperwork the admin like that kind of stuff you guys you would think I people are asking me to do you know, brain surgery, but all they're asking me to do is like sign, sign a document and send it back. And I can't do it. Like it takes weeks. I don't know what that is. So that part kind of surprises me. And, and, you know, if you are in this kind of business of having a business, there's a lot of little kind of minutia type stuff that you have to get done. And so it annoys me that I am that way. Um, opening the, the mic up to anyone who here on the stage, if you guys want to kind of flash, if you want to let us know that you want to join in, what has surprised you about being an entrepreneur? I mean, I see Jeff the entrepreneur going crazy down there, and you know, Jeff the entrepreneur. Has it surprised you that your last name is now entrepreneur? Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to be breaking out of that eventually once we come into uh, Jeff J. Cunningham. But really, that happened because I, I really went on social. Uh, and just want to document all the successes, all the failures and everything it was to be as vulnerable as to be an entrepreneur that it wasn't that easy. They couldn't just post an Instagram page and look great on it, you know? Uh, and that's why I really be transparent and put all kind of uncover the thing. And that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And listening to you, um, Dana, I just had a clarity weekend 
and I'm actually my, this is me being less on clubhouse right now. So I've actually done a different morning routine, still doing my goals and gratitude uh, and all that as well, but less on social. So kind of very similar to what Fanzo said. I actually documented the 15 minutes of how much time I was actually just not being, being very intentional. So I was actually in a drive and it was an urge not to put it on. And I'm like, oh, fans, I got to listen to this. And this was actually, I think I'm going to do the time-lapse thing uh, that fans are So say, listen to something that I can implement right away. But yeah, big surprise was that, um, you know, you don't do it alone. I always thought any business, you know, that's a solopreneur. You go in and do it alone. A lot of moving parts and really just, and now that I actually have brought on some people onto my team, uh, a lot more that are I've had around on my life and I've subbed work and now we're going to build this thing together, really just having their better interests, knowing what they want to build in their life. Everybody knows, hey, Jeff, and they're, they're with me. Hey, you want to do the coffee shop? Let's do it in two years. Let's do it this way. And I felt so, so in love with business that I felt so disconnected um, from other people that you can actually build together. So the biggest thing is culture and community, right? And we all can, we all can, uh, you know, abide by it. We've all been at jobs or maybe we haven't. Maybe some of you guys are entrepreneurs that where you like it, the culture felt great and just really emphasizing on actually creating that for everybody around. So I was at a really great event, Patrick Ben David's vault event. And that was probably one of the most, um, it's crazy because, you know, people see me go to these events and think, oh, Jeff's just going to these events. I'm going to these events and I am implementing everything. Like at the Breakfast of Champions event, besides seeing your shimmy shake on your shoulders uh, that you did, <laughs> Uh, which is now edged in my mind forever it was awesome. I also learned to be a giver and start giving more and stop. And then that led to me giving so much led to then me landing this huge consulting deal, which now I need more people on my team. Right. So it, it never stops. But uh, the whole, I was up at a uh, lake at a clarity weekend. I made myself so available for so many people because I thought I had to. And that was the whole clarity thing of really being intentional with my time really where I need to be and really kind of build out what it is and then add people in. So that was the bi biggest thing that I had to do here. But man, it's tough awesome. not to get breakfast and champions in the morning. I'll say that much. I know, but you know what? You got it. You, and you can shift it around. Like there's certain weeks or months where you're going to spend more time doing stuff like this and then more time like that. Fanzo, what were you going to say? No, I agree completely. That, okay. No, I was, I was agreeing. Um, jumping on over, I know, um, I know Molly was flashing before. So Molly, if you're around and then Tony, the tiger. Sure. Absolutely. Mine feeds right off of, uh, Jeff's. I think one of the most surprising things for me, uh, that I learned in entrepreneurship is how, uh, controlling I was of, of what. But I'm so passionate about and how hard it was for me to give up ownership of the things that maybe I'm not so good at and really becoming self-aware on those, you know, parts of the business that are just not my forte. But man, it was really hard for me to let go of the control. Still is, but I'm, I'm better at it because, you know, what was great about letting go of that control. Oh, I lost Fanzo. He didn't like what I said. Um, what was what was really great about it is when I did release that control and bring on people to the team that really excelled where I did not watching how what the benefit that is to your business has been really really rewarding so um that's kind of my takeaway that's a really good share I love that Molly and I love that you've learned that about yourself what about you Tony oh this has been such a great conversation and darn it I I wanted to talk about what uh Fanzo was saying in particular, but I'll give him some, some kudos and hopefully he'll hear it. Um, 
so he's back. That's my corporate job. Bando's, like, Bando's back, Tony. Oh, he's back. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, so I left my corporate job like five months ago. I, well, I'll back up. I started um, a social media business ages ago um, and just floundered. I just couldn't couldn't do it well. So I'm like, I need to go into corporate. That'll That'll help me. So I went into corporate and I just hated it. I wasn't passionate about it. Like Donna, you were saying, I was not passionate about payroll. And I think they were pretty, pretty, I made it probably obvious that I wasn't. Um, So I left on a whim and started a life coaching business. And Danzo actually helped me because he, um, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD and started taking meds. And that's really helped me a lot. Um, so I think that uh, I think that a lot of us, if you take the DISC profile, or probably a lot of us are the high D, high I leaders, um, and I think leadership is a big part of what makes a good entrepreneur in most industries. And I'll say one last thing, really, really quick: um, onboarding in corporate in the corporate world, they talk about onboarding process to to get on your job. Well, with entrepreneurship, the onboarding process is a lot longer, but in the coaching and consulting business, it's become a lot shorter now than probably like Fanzo or Donna, when you guys started your business. Since the pandemic, it is crazy. The amount of opportunity, virtual opportunity is just unbelievable. So like you guys have been saying, getting clear on your passion, um, being strategic and hiring out your the things that you aren't difficult and being being honest with yourself, I think is so important. I'm Tony the Tiger and I'm finished sharing. Such good shares. Thanks, Tony. Does anyone else have a share? Before we wrap up this segment about entrepreneurship, the highs and the lows, what is... Uh-oh. Hey, Donna, it's Dr. Bev. I'll share just real quickly if you want. Hey, Dr. Bev. <laughs> I love this. It's been such a reward reward for me. I had an hour to go walking and I'm like, yay, I get to pop into this room. I couldn't, I'm so happy because I had no idea this was going on. Um, self-awareness. Yes. And patience. Those are the two things that didn't surprise me about myself because I'm 52. Oh, getting the red bar. Can you guys hear me? I got you loud and clear. Thank you. Okay. So yeah, I'm 52. So I've learned patience and have a lot of self-awareness because you have time to look back on your life. And so what I've learned through going to business webinars and workshops, because I would say I've kind of always been an entrepreneur, even when I was a little kid. And I've had things like news, newsletter services. I've washed windows. I'm substitute teaching. I'm even driving for Instacart, if you can believe that, just to feel what other people are going through right now. Um, so for me, being an entrepreneur, you have to know what, what you're doing. You have a small business. Are you going to run a small business? Is that your dream? Or do you have a startup? Do you have a really good idea that's going to change the world and you're a startup? And so I have a startup and it's taken me like a year. My company's only a year old, but it's taken me a year of patience self-awareness, self-talk, positive self-talk, because my family, my friends are like, what, what? And they just, they are the naysayers, right? So what I'm doing, what surprised me about myself is that whole no, like trust thing, which Donna, that's what it's all about with branding, right? You are an expert on this. I have found myself as a CEO of a startup waiting for the no love trust. 
Those are the people that I want to hire. The people that I see something in there, the people like Steve Jobs, right? Hire people smarter than you and that can do it way better than you can. So that is, that's my, oh gosh, Beverly, looking back on it, I'm thinking, I'm waiting. It's just going to take time, but I will one day have those people that I know and that I love and that I trust to walk with me for a little while or as long as it goes on my journey. So thanks for the opportunity to speak and Glenn for bringing me up. This is Dr. Bev. Oh, great share, Dr. Bev. I love that so much. And I love that you're actually walking when you're saying people to walk with me. And, and finally, I love that we had that room yesterday and we talked all about our personality, um, you know, our personality number and what that means, the Enneagram test. Rachel, I saw you on mute real fast. Did you or was it an accident? I think it's my phone is doing really weird things because I was blinking before too, but I just love you, period. End of story. Relatable. Goodbye. You're so relatable. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap up this room. Sanzo, I don't know if you can, are you still around? No. I don't know. No. He's avoiding Molly, actually. <laughs> he really doesn't want to be anywhere near Molly right now. I came in the room and he went quiet and then disappeared. Yeah, and he's, now he's like in the witness protection program. Um, okay, so <laughs> um, okay, so let's wrap up this amazing room, you guys. What a great room! An hour all about the highs and lows of entrepreneurs, uh, being an entrepreneur, and we only just like started the conversation. I could talk forever about this conversation, um, but we're gonna wrap it up with a reset. You are in Breakfast of Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.